0: Welcome to The Sixth Degree Podcast, the podcast where we grill our guests about the things that make them tick and find out how human connection plays a role in their life. I'm your host, Emily Merrill. Hello, and welcome back to The Sixth Degree with Emily Merrill, the podcast where we grill our guests about the things that make them tick. and We find out how human connection plays a role in their life. I'm your host, Emily. And today I'm so excited to have my friend, Serena verk Torrendell, founder of With Serena on the show. Serena, welcome to the
1: show. Emily, I am so excited to be here. I mean, we can talk endlessly all the time, but I can't wait to have this conversation with you for your audience. And
0: I also think we have a case of the Friday giggles. So there might be some <laughs> giggles that just happened throughout. It's been a long week and we are here and I, there's no one better to end the, the week with and before going into the weekend. I feel the same, Emily. <laughs> I love it. Well, so just a little background for our listeners on how we met. I, you know, for those who know me, it networking is one of my favorite. It's my favorite things. It's probably my favorite in the whole world that and sleeping Serena is the, I think our meeting story is so funny and so like full circle I used to stalk every single name that came and subscribed onto my mailing list so much in fact if I saw a, a company that that person worked at that stuck out to me I'd reach out to them directly and so Serena worked at Postmates at the time and are subscribed and I like I don't know. I don't know where I had the confidence when I was younger. Like I swear this confidence has dissipated. And I know we'll talk, we'll probably talk later about confidence, but I just like brazenly pitched her on doing a partnership and a collaboration with postmates <laughs> with Gall. Um, and somehow you responded. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, obviously I had subscribed to your newsletter and I had discovered six degrees at the time. And so I was excited to have a conversation with you and
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, and then full circle, you were in San Francisco, we actually got to meet in person. And then she left me and she's back in New York. So there's there's tragedy to the end of the story. (laughs) But I still get to see you on zoom. So that's all that matters. And then lastly, the other thing I want to call out that I'm obsessed with the fact that you have this connection is our, our special love of Argentina.
1: Yes. We have a very special love of Argentina. Personally spent a lot of time there. My husband is Argentinian. I've lived there. I've been there over a dozen times. So we certainly have that connection and, and love for, it's such a beautiful country. And anyone listening, when we are able to travel, I highly recommend that you go there.
0: It really is best. And,
1: it, and to clarify, it is Argentinian, not Argentine? They use both. So I kind of, I also flip it around sometimes. Sometimes I'll say my husband is Argentine. He's Argentinian. It's kind of like San Francisco where when when you hear someone say San Fran, I'm like, am I allowed to say San Fran? I don't know. Uh, No, that I think is a no, no. Okay.
0: Note to self, anyone who is visiting San Francisco, it is SF or they will shame you. And I've learned that firsthand. So one hundred percent. Well, now that we've got that cleared up, uh, I want to know who you are and what you currently do. We know you're not you're not at Postmeets because you'd I'd be like forcing you to post something to me as we're
1: as we're recording. Yeah. So, who am I? Wow, so that's such a big question. I have had so many twists and turns in my life and my career, that defining who I am is probably going to take a really long time. (laughs) Um, But to throw it in a nutshell, I, you know, so much of who I am is certainly grounded in career. And I kicked off my career as a human rights activist. I was working for a nonprofit in D.C. co-building an advocacy campaign to raise awareness about the conflict in Congo, had this incredible opportunity to go to Congo and build Partner coalitions on the ground there. And human rights was just something I was deeply, deeply passionate about and really envisioned doing for a long time. And so I went on to graduate school to pursue a Master of International Affairs because I thought I'm going to build the biggest global human rights organization ever. Um, And things changed. I was in New York, and this was 2010. And I started to see different things come up uh, in technology. So this is when the app store launched. This is when Uber was popping up. I just decided to make this complete 180 and dive into the startup ecosystem. And I've never looked back since. I've just been in the tech world and I've mentored so many young professionals along the way. And that brings me to where I am today. I'm a coach and I've worked with so many young women and men on everything from their job search to leadership to entrepreneurship. Um, But really kind of the foundational piece to all of it is I I really love making an impact. So even in the work that I've done through human rights, through tech, through my coaching, um, I've always been able to make an impact in other people's lives.
0: It's incredible. And it's one of those things where I I feel like I've heard this stat and I might be making it up, but that individuals and millennials in particular are supposed to have five different careers in their life or five career paths or shifts. You're the expert here, so... Yeah, no, that's, that's right. You went from a Keene's right <laughs> activist to then working at these extraordinary companies. And how did you take that experience? And was it the the MBA that you got or your master's program that you got that was able to act as the bridge into entering into the startup world? Or was it more just your, your hustle and your gumption?
1: Oh my gosh. So the latter, because I wish I got an MBA because that would have made the pivot a lot easier. But even though I went to a very fancy school, I had a master of international affairs. So going to Silicon Valley, they were like, cool, but you come from nonprofit. This is business. It's very different. And I really had to hustle. Like I was doing everything. So let me take it a step back. You know, I grew up in the Bay Area. So that ecosystem wasn't necessarily foreign to me, but I didn't have contacts in it. You know, my my dad was an entrepreneur, but like not super connected in Silicon Valley. And so when I got to San Francisco to pursue this like new path in tech, I really knew no one. And I candidly had no idea what anything really meant. Like I remember very, very vividly being on an interview and this guy was like spewing API and SAS and all these acronyms at me. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> Um, And so what I ultimately had to do was reach out to anyone who would be willing to have a conversation with me. I was applying to, no joke, 50 to 60 jobs per week in hopes that one company would give me an interview. And throughout that, it took many months of reaching out to many people having coffees offering to do free projects for people showing people like okay I was a human rights ap- activist but there were a lot of parallels between that and marketing and that and operations and partnerships and all of these different things and ultimately you know I got really lucky that Postmates uh, happened to give me a chance you know I I remember going into their tiny office at the time you know this was 2012 uh, there were less than 15 people. And I remember having this wild interview process with six people and just thinking to myself, like, what a cool company, what cool people and them even asking me, like, why are you making this shift? And I thought the company was making such a big impact and then they took a chance on me and you need someone to take a chance on you, but you, you have to hustle to get that chance. I think that's, that's a great question that they did ask you. So why did you make
0: that shift? Like, was there a certain point for you as a, an activist where you didn't want to
1: be traveling every single day or what was your aha moment? Yeah. I mean, so my aha moment truly was uh white candidly that I am someone who thrives on a efficiency and getting things done. And I think while I have a lot of respect for the nonprofit and international development space, it doesn't necessarily operate that way. And I think, um, you know, being in graduate school, like, because, you know, I, I did take a couple of classes at the business school. And I think that was kind of my first realization, truly, that I was much more cut out for an environment that moved fast and where you could could still make a dramatic impact, but in just an entirely different way of doing it. And so for me, you know, I, I'm still very passionate about human rights. That That's not something that ever left me, but I think I had this deep realization that at my core, like I like to move fast. And I didn't really realize that earlier on. I didn't realize that in college. I didn't realize that while, you know, doing the human rights thing. I think I realized it by being in New York where things move fast and seeing businesses pop up and taking some business school classes and thinking like something in my gut is telling me that I've got to, explore this. And I'm really glad that I did. That's amazing.
0: And I I like that aha moment.
1: And I'd be very curious if you know your human design. I don't. And I know you've, we've talked about this. Your homework after this is just <laughs> to
0: just do a human design. And for those that are listening, it's human design is super fresh in my brain this morning. Um, because we did an event on the human design this week and it's just so interesting the different like producing styles people have. So curious. I have an idea, but I'm curious what yours might be. So switching gears, you started off as okay, you went from human activism, postmeets. What did they hire you as? Like what was your role at postmeets and
1: what what did you do day to day? Yeah, that's a great question. Ooh, I have loved so many things. Like, let's be real, I was hired on to launch their first market. So my my exact title was a launcher, which nobody understood what that meant in 2012. Now, like there are so many on demand marketplace companies. But my job was to go to different cities, build out the Postmates infrastructure and launch Postmates in those markets. So I was Doing everything from onboarding couriers to going to merchants and building partnerships, driving growth. I mean, I was doing so much. Like again, you have to have the context in mind. 15 people or less. I can't even remember now. Um, so I was doing everything. And and I think that experience was so incredible and really changed my career in so many different ways. I, you know, it stretched me in ways that I didn't and even know I was capable of doing, I think it exposed me to the things that I really loved and the things that I didn't love. But ultimately, what it what it truly showed me was I love to build, I had this unique opportunity to essentially build the company from the ground up in these markets. And I, I want to provide additional context. I was the only person in these markets, everyone was in San Francisco, and I would go to these different cities, live out of a suitcase, hopping from Airbnb, you know, making this happen. And I think it was, frankly, exhausting in a lot of ways, but exhilarating that I was building this company. And I had so much autonomy to do that. You know, I I took a little break before I went back to Postmates. And we can talk about that. But uh, that's what I did my first stint at Postmates.
0: It's crazy. It was like it was Postmates hired you as a launcher, but I think you also were launched at Postmates.
1: A hundred percent. I love that.
0: It's so true. It's so true. Yeah, it's so, right? Like it's kind of like like you mentioned, someone needs to take a chance on you and it's that one name brand thing. And you you took a chance on Postmates too. Postmates could have been bought and sold and disintegrated and everything like that. So it wasn't Postmates when you were at Postmates. Now Postmates is my top donor, essentially. I'm like, how much did we spend tonight on Postmates? So much money when I could have crossed the street and picked it up myself, but why would I do that?
1: Oh yeah, no, exactly. Why? No, it's so true, I think it truly did launch everything that's happened since then and i will always be so grateful for them taking that chance and and yeah like you're right i took a chance on them too i think you know being in your mid 20s, there's less like anxiety. Well, at least for me, there was less anxiety when it came to risk. I was just like, this is awesome. Cool. I love delivery. I love convenience. I love this product. I don't know what's going to happen. But this is cool. So but yeah, it really changed my life. It's also funny, the things that you
0: prioritize in your early 20s when they're like, we're gonna have you traveling and living out of Oh my god, that's so sexy. And now I'd be like, Oh, wait, I'm sorry. a I don't know. I'm working. From home forever. A hundred percent. Like, I would never take that job now. <laughs> That's why most um I think whatchamacallit consultants are like twelve or like early twenties. They they're excited and they're they're easily manipulated by that money. But now I'm like, yeah, I, I like going to bed by 10. I went away this weekend for two days. My whole routine was like just up in arms. And I, I realized we're this, this is this isn't like getting old is having a routine is the most exciting thing in, in your life, which is a great great learning for those that are listening and thinking, wow, I want to still travel. Just build that routine while you travel. You know, Serena, I love the name of your brand. I, I love that it's with Serena. I I feel like you have so much opportunity to turn it into a TV show or one day even, hey, if you want to be a cook, like cooking with Serena,
1: (laughs) it could be whatever. Now ordering in with Serena.
0: Ooh, delivering with Serena. There we go. Bedtime at nine with Serena. So tell me about with Serena. When, When did with Serena take shape in your life?
1: Yeah. So more context on that. You know, I said I took a little break from Postmates. I went on to build my own company. I did a stint at Glam Squad. And when I went back to Postmates, I... Truly, just had this amazing opportunity to lead all sorts of partnerships from retail to grocery to alcohol. And that was kind of my first taste where people just started coming up to me and asking me for help and mentorship. You know, how do they grow in their career? How do they, you know, make a pivot? Because a lot of people had started to realize that I had quite successfully made a pivot from the nonprofit sector to consumer tech. And so that was kind of my first taste of just true mentorship. And then when I went on later, you know, I went on to Apple, where I had this awesome opportunity to lead global partner marketing for the for the app store. That's when it really struck me, you know, someone came up to me, uh, while I was at Apple. And, just was not in the best place. And she asked me, you know, I really need help with my career. I am interested in pivoting into this new industry. I want to move to a different city. You know, I've seen that you've done all these things. Can you help me? And what was just like a mentoring conversation was something that just, you know, I had that aha moment where I'm like, I love doing this. I love empowering people to shape their career the way that they want to shape it to not be afraid to make a move into a new industry to make a move to another city. And this is something I've got to explore. And so with Serena has, you know, quite frankly, has been a side business, you know, I'm I'm very ingrained in the tech industry, you know, I'm at a fortune 100 company today, with Serena started out as a coaching business focused on job seekers and solopreneurs. But over the years, I started having all sorts of people come up to me. So I've had job seekers, solopreneurs, leaders, um, entrepreneurs, uh, really a range. And so now with Serena truly focuses on three key pillars. And number one is learn with Serena, where you can access my digital courses, where I can teach you all everything you need to know about your job search, Uh, grow with Serena, where I coach leaders and entrepreneurs to be the best versions of themselves on everything from confidence to leadership presence to becoming a thought leader externally. And then I have a build with Serena where I work with small businesses and startups on launching new products because I come from that world. So with Serena has has shifted a lot over the last couple of years. But these are the three areas I'm I'm very passionate about. Mm, I love that. And your clients,
0: are so lucky to have your expertise in your ear to help them with whatever problem that they are navigating through. So Serena, you know, being in the corporate world, you've been in the corporate world now for over 10 years, which is easy to think about. <laughs> like 2010 was last year or 2012 last year. It wasn't. Oh, oh man. Oh, I want to know, I think it's interesting because women in business, I, I mean I was only in the corporate world for a little a little bit, but it was very it was very hard to find a mentor, very hard to find to navigate your way and know who to turn to. Do you see any themes of
1: successful women in business and things that they typically struggle with? So I love that you asked this question because one of the things that I have found so interesting in my time as a coach, but also just in the corporate world is the more successful a woman becomes in her career, it's almost the less competent she becomes. And it's and. Obviously, this does not apply to everyone, Um, but I do think, and I don't know why it is, but I do think just like, it could be because the stakes are higher. It could be because there are less women in leadership roles. And so the environment is a bit different. That's just one thing that I've seen. And, you know, I certainly help my clients navigate through that, Um, just, you know, becoming more confident with themselves blocking the noise in the workplace and just continuing to push forward. But that's something I, 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 certainly see.
0: And I so relate to that too, even as an entrepreneur, um, from the original story that I told you about reaching out to you on meets, I felt like I was so fearless. It's like when you're skiing, when you're little, it's okay because you're closer to the ground. And now you're a little taller and falling down hurts a bit more. So you're onto something there.
1: Totally, totally. And and I don't know what the solution is today. I mean, obviously, you know, coaches definitely help. Um, I think, you know, part of the solution is more women in leadership roles and more women advocating for each other. I think, you know, that is such a big one. I think I'm seeing more of this now, but to be totally frank with you, you know, I think earlier on in my career, I didn't see enough of that. I think it was, Like I I would see women in leadership roles and not necessarily at my companies, but, you know, I would see these incredible women in leadership roles, but just not advocating for the women around them. And I, I think, you know, as a woman, it is so critical to like advocate for the people on your team, advocate for your peers, because the more that the women around you are successful, the more you're successful. So I, I think that's a big one and and part of the solution.
0: I completely agree. Gosh, I am getting flashbacks to like not mean girl feelings, but just that, that wait, your turn. There's a lot of wait, your turn. And I don't know if it's the same in tech. I mean, I was in fashion. So there was a lot of like, you're not old enough to have this position or you're not uh, you haven't been a, an assistant long enough to be an associate. So it, it wasn't fast tracked. And it's always been fascinating for me, at least moving from the East coast to the West coast, seeing the autonomy that's given in the tech industry and the, like you're 24, but like, we believe in you and here you go. Here's, here's over a hundred thousand dollars to be a manager. So can you talk a little bit about like that as well, just to, you know, tech as an industry yeah.
1: versus other industries you've worked in? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, s- it does vary company by company. And I've certainly seen that even in the tech industry, but I will say that across the board, I think there's so much room for growth, um, especially in the startup ecosystem. You know, like I was, I don't know, I, I think I was 26 when I joined Postmates and I had so much autonomy and responsibility and that's wild, right? I think, you know, I was fully capable. I, could do it. And again, like I have the trust of the, the people around me, but I, I do think that is rare. And I think that is something unique, especially in the startup world. Um, and especially, and you know, the startup world is diverse. I think a lot of people get confused by that. They hear startup and they think they immediately think of tech, but startups are lifestyle brands. They're retail companies. Like there's so many things there. And I do think there is uh, there is a little bit more autonomy and, and freedom there. Uh, but again, it, it does vary company by company. I've been told all sorts of things um, throughout the years.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's just so incredible. Last question for you before we pivot one more time, we're big into the pivot here. As someone who has worked in a diverse set of industries, but more specifically the tech industry and coaching people in this realm, what do you see are the biggest mistakes people, or individuals in particular, are making as leaders and things that we could should take into leadership? Um, so if we're new
1: leaders, like mindsets or any tools in our tool belt would be great. The first thing that I'll say is there is a difference between a leader and a manager. So a leader, I think, is someone – and they, and a leader can absolutely do both, 100%. Um, but I do think a leader has this deeper responsibility to really push a team forward. And kind of on that note, I will say, you know, as a leader, it's really important to build a team around you that you ultimately trust. The companies that I've seen that have been truly successful, Postmates included, there was leadership that trusted the people around it. There was a lot of trust in the people and there was clear vision about what was going to happen. And I think, you know, and on the flip side, I've I've seen startups where like the leaders are just kind of getting too into like their purpose and you know, they're, it's all about them. And I think that really makes or breaks um, a company. And so I think that's perfect because leaders in general, it's with leaders in general,
0: it's interesting. You, you bring up a great point where it's like, it's easy to, for the leader to have like the leader show kind of, or like the, I'm I'm the face of the company, which we see, like, I think the face, you know, big companies, you think of the founder. You... LinkedIn's the only one. I don't know the guy's name off the top of my.
1: Yeah. Cause it's, he's new. It used to be Jeff Weiner, And then now it's someone else, which I, I don't remember.
0: But you're like Tesla, Elon Musk, even though fun fact, like Elon Musk didn't create Tesla. Yeah. I didn't know that either until I saw the founder on a panel. So anyways, but it is interesting how like the founder or a leader can kind of take it into become their own show. And I, I think, um, that you, you differentiate like a leader and a manager really well anyways. So wrapping up, I want to know you just launched this amazing job seeker lab and you have incredible offerings coming out the pipeline, including your podcast. How can people find more with Serena. And I mean, I think I just gave that away and to (laughs) to learn more about everything that
1: you're up to. Um, You can go to withserena.com. You can find everything you need to know about my coaching, my courses, my podcast, where I bring on leaders from the tech and startup ecosystem. If you're curious about that. So
0: Serena, I'm going to ask you your first of the six fast questions. Tell us an unknown fun fact about you.
1: So one time when I was traveling to the Dominican Republic, I pretended I was a CIA agent because <laughs> because my friends and I were so dumb. Talk about early 20s. We got in a car with a group of guys and they had a gun. So I basically got in like hardcore Congo kidnapping training mode and was like, you need to give me your gun right now and got into this whole spiel. And they thought I was a CIA agent because they gave me their gun. And I took out the bullets and they totally freaked out by this whole thing. I was wearing like this orange little dress. And I think they just did not know what was going on. So that's my fun fact. We are
0: definitely friends because I have played this game so many times based on like books I read to intimidate cab drivers for my own safety. Yeah. Did you know how to take out bullets?
1: I did. Yes, I did. Because I went, you know, when it'd be going to Congo, I had to do all these trainings. I did I did some shooting lessons and the whole thing. So, yes.
0: I think that would have ended like Pulp Fiction at the end for me. (laughs) Like it would not have been as graceful.
1: (laughs) No. And the, and the, like the hilarious thing is I would never do that now. Like I'm so risk averse now. So just again, like that's why I bring up the early twenties.
0: Oh my God. There's so many stories to piggyback off of that of roommates, things who have done something similar. I'm like, what are you thinking? (laughs) But you got there safely and now she can tell that story. Yes,
1: exactly. And I scared a couple of guys. So that was, that was fun. And my girlfriends were like, what? (laughs) Like what? Who are you? Are you a
0: CA agent? Is there something we so that's her her last career? We just couldn't mention it because of that. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. So the other question you've met so many extraordinary people through your through your career and through your travels. Who would be a dream person you'd want to be connected with?
1: I am obsessed with Sarah Blakely. I think she's so awesome. I just love her story. She Basically, like is such she like went door to door. I met Sarah Blakely actually. No, I'm
0: I, I don't know her. I have a picture with her. I planned an event for her, so I have her someone on her team's info if we want to like. Do you know what actually I got for her, from her? And I don't know if these took off. So, you know, Spanx, like they're the under thing. She created an arm version of Spanx. And so the arm things go under a shirt and they were like cut off. So it looked like it it gave the illusion that you were wearing like a long sleeve shirt, but without the drama of a long sleeve shirt. Again, not something that really stressed me out in my life, but I did get a free pair of those.
1: So yeah, you're connected now to Sarah Blakely. I love her. She's, she's so awesome. She's just like true entrepreneur, but like, good person.
0: Yeah. She's, she really seems like an awesome and self-made super self. made
1: Yeah. Which I love. I love everything.
0: Um, so what show are you currently watching or have recently watched if not like at this exact moment in time?
1: Yeah. So I beca- recently became obsessed with a flight attendant. I did not think I was going to be into it. And then I just binged through it
0: it was so good. It was, it was, it's like mindless. And you're like, this would never happen. This feels good. Yeah. Oh, I highly, highly recommend any books that you've read recently
1: that stand out to you. Yes. Okay. So don't laugh, but I am, I am like obsessed with Ryan Serhat. Like I read his book. He's the guy on million dollar listing. And I just, so I read his book, um, sell it like Serhat, which is like his, his first book. I loved how practical it was. Um, and now, because so and that, the one thing, the reason why is because I think like, you know, when you're looking for a job or you're becoming a leader, it's sales all the way. Like you're you're influencing, you're getting buy-in. So I just loved like reading his experience from a real real estate lens. And now I'm reading Big Money Energy because who doesn't want Big Money, money Energy? So that's his book. Don't laugh. You all have to, you have to read it. Okay. Is, is Big Money Energy his book too? Or is that it's his book. It's, it's his latest book. I'm all about it. You know, I've read all the the business book, but there's just something fun about like the way he writes. Oh my gosh.
0: I've seen him in New York. I feel like every time I'm in New York, I see him or who's the other the Dutch guy on Million Dollars. Oh Frederick. It's Swedish. He's Swedish. Yeah, Frederick. Frederick, I've seen him. He has this beautiful Porsche and but he sits in the backseat of it. And I was like, well, that's kind of a waste. But it seemed like a spacious backseat. And that's hilarious. I will definitely check that
1: out. I just feel like sometimes everyone kind of gets into this whole thing where they're like, you know, they have to read the most like intense business book. But sometimes you just need like to hear from a real person about their experience and get motivated.
0: I love that. I completely agree. That's so, so funny. Actually, just quickly on Atomic Habits, I've, I think I've told you he went to my college and I know him. I keep emailing him just being like, Hey, just love the last newsletter. How's it going? Oh, yes, I had a baby. Congratulations. How's your wife doing? How's Chris, you know, like nurturing in any direction that I can just to stay top of mind with everything. Anyways, I was talking to a girl from Denison and she was like, Oh, I've never even heard of him or like heard of the book. And I was dying. Cause I was like, he's there in every, every podcast or event I do that book comes up. So he's like, I think he lived across the hall from me and like hated us. And I was like, yeah, that's that sounds about right. (laughs) So anyways, um, moving on, what about your favorite emoji? I think if you look in your phone, there's probably one emoji you you use more than another.
1: I think it's definitely the party emoji. I am like full energy all the time. So uh, that's probably the one I use. But candidly, I'm not a big emoji person. I am an exclamation person. I, yeah, that is, that is for sure.
0: I feel you on that. I've been told before that I am such a short texter that I've had people call me and be like, are you mad at me? I'm like, no, I'm I'm busy. I'm busy. I just figured out how to put text on my computer. So, you know, now they'll be a little longer. And then my last question for you, which can be kind of open up open to interpretation, but it's
1: who gave you permission to do the thing that you wanted to do with your life? This is a great question. And I have to say, I don't think I realized it until much later in life. Um, and that's my mom. I think, you know, my mom has been my biggest cheerleader my biggest advocate throughout my life and I do think there is a deep correlation with that and confidence like my mom just instilled that into me from an early age and I I'm so grateful for that and I I think again I did not realize it until like probably the last couple of years where I'm like whoa like this the way I am the way I like go for things it's because my mom my entire life was like, you know, if you work hard, you can accomplish anything. Not like, oh, you're amazing. You can accomplish anything, which a lot of millennials are told. But it was the message of if you work really hard, you can truly do anything. And I think that like she is the one who truly gave me that permission. And I didn't even know it until till recently. Oh, well, I think someone it was a, a call to their mom later today. Oh, I just started talking
0: about you. No, I love that. I think that's so nice to recognize because the automatic answer would be like me. I, I don't need permission from someone else. But there are those gentle nudges that you've had in certain directions or that when your mom, when you probably were a stubborn
1: 18 year old and you're like, I'm going to
0: be in the, you, you know, the um, human rights activist. And she's like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred, I mean, I'm Indian. Like I was told I needed to be a doctor or a lawyer. So much to my parents' dismay. Yeah. So, but it's true. I think it, to your point, like someone along the way nudges you. And whether it's a parent or a mentor or a friend. Like, yes, you can be extremely resilient on your own and push forward, but I do think like no one is truly doing it on their own. And whether you call it permission or like advocacy, it, whatever it is, I I think like, you know, to anyone listening in, like, you know, reflect on those people because they truly do shape, you know, who you become. And I think about that too beyond just my mom. Like, I think about the Postmates experience and my human rights days, everything. Like, there were. People who who helped me get to where I am,
0: and keeping those bridges in place—how important that is.
1: Oh my gosh, yes, I've I've learned that the hard way. I will be the first to admit. When I was younger, I was like, "Whatever, uh, no, you got it. You don't burn bridges." Again, my postmates experience—I'm not going to get into it today on this show. But like, I almost burned a bridge, and then I got a second chance. <laughs> You're like, I was quickly repairing it and yeah, but that's, you know, I like, that is a real thing. And, you know, always move your career forward with kindness because people always come back. They just do. So I love that. Move your, move your career forward with kindness.
0: Well, on that amazing high note, Serena, thank you so much for jo- joining us on today's show. Listeners please check out with Serena. You will not be disappointed. Her podcast is extraordinary and we look forward to seeing you the next time on the sixth degree. Make sure to share like, and give us a review. Take care. Thank
1: you so much, Emily. It was awesome to be here.